I believe that God leads when we seek to preach his word. I've never had a wild sign or divine revelation about a sermon series until last night. Uh, we were driving home. I had officiated a, a wedding in McGee, Mississippi, where I had pastored years ago, and we were coming back as a family, and my son looked to the right in Richland, Mississippi, as we were on Highway 49, and there, there God gave a sign about the book of Proverbs to him and, and to our family, and I think to us. There at a beer distributorship, the, the lights had gone out on the U and the D, and it simply said, be wiser. So, <laughs> Lord gave us a sign, people. And listen, that same evening, to show that we need wisdom, my daughter was asked to be the one to hand out the programs, and so she was handing it out, and an older gentleman had brought his very elderly mother with him and apparently was asked to be the driver, and his first question to her when he got the program was, where is the bar? So, uh, and then his next question was, is this a funeral or a wedding? So he... We need wisdom, y'all, and, and we get it. God's free to gift that. Now, when we talk Proverbs, as we're walking through this book, I believe there are certain things God can do when we're all on the same page together, so I hope you'll take advantage of this and read a chapter a day. And even if you don't like to read, there are apps now. You can get on and just listen to this. Take you 60 seconds, 90 seconds a day, Let's all read through these. So read chapter five, I mean, uh, chapter five sometime today and each day of the month. Let's all be reading uh, together. And as we walk through this and we look at the book of Proverbs through this month, we're going to look at different themes, but when you come to that word proverb, it actually doesn't mean what you would think it would mean. I would think it would mean a wise saying or wisdom. It means a comparison, something similar. And so you're going to find that as you read this book, that it takes one thing and says, it's like this, but this is like this. And it's going to be this collection of writings. These first couple of chapters, one through nine, are kind of proverbs in some sense for the young. Then you get a first collection of proverbs from Solomon, then a second collection. And if you remember in 1 Kings, what, is, what does it say? Solomon, 1 Kings uh, 432, he wrote over 3,000 proverbs and 1,000 songs. Now, if you go through this whole book, there's only 800 proverbs. So there's a bootleg CD or director's cut DVD of 2,200 proverbs we're missing that Solomon had shared. Um, and then in Proverbs 30 and 31, you get different authors, different people writing these proverbs. Now, as we start out, let me say this. This is this is a difficult book to preach on and to read for several reasons. One is the general statements that Proverbs are. I believe in the authority of Scripture, but some of these statements, yes, they're authoritative, but they're also to be read as they were intended to be read. They're Proverbs. They're general illustra illustrations or statements about absolute truth. Though they do not condone them, Though they do not condone them, Proverbs do allow for exceptions to the rule. Two, two, two instances. Proverbs 10, 27. If you do evil, you die young. If you do evil, you're going to die young. Now, you know what? Typically, if you live wildly with violence that Proverbs talks about or in, in, in wild sexuality or in drugs, look, 
you probably are going to die young. But it's a general statement. Here's how I know that. Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones is still alive. <laughs> He's sort of alive. <laughs> so it's a general statement. And you go to that, and I'm banking on this verse, chapter 22, 6. You train up a child in the way, right? They're going to come back. And time after time, God has been faithful to that promise. He's gifted his free will. And I just, coming back after a weekend with Sarah's family, what a blessed time that was. What a wonderful time. But they've got at least one member of that family who's had a vibrant faith in Christ through high school and college, went to seminary, and it, in his 70s, he's still fighting his atheism. He's, he's gone. I hope he'll come back. It's a general statement that's usually true, y'all. But sometimes, it, even though it doesn't condemn it, there are exceptions to uh, the rule. Now, it's also difficult to read the book of Proverbs, too, because it, it's everything. It's parables. It's wise sayings. It's short stories. It's got questions. It's got poetry. It's got these wild, uh, wise maxims. But then it just shifts gears. I grew up in the 70s. Anybody remember the show Kung Fu? And somebody would come to that guru for advice and say, listen, I need to avenge my family. What should I do? And he would say to them, oh, young grasshopper, the sun is shining during the day, but at, moon, at, at night, the moon is bright. What did that even mean? And that's what happens in Proverbs. You get this one statement, and then it just shifts course and talks about something else in, in the next. So it seems disconnected. And so what we're going to do is just look at some general themes. Each Sunday we'll come back together and we'll say, hey, in these first five chapters, even though you might not be able to say, we're going to preach, and I'm not going to do it this morning as an introduction, preach through this chapter or these verses, what are some general themes here that, that you and I can, can see the wisdom of God, but most importantly, we can say yes to it and we're going to live by it for the glory of God. So there's several themes you're already seeing in these first five chapters. And again, you're going to see this throughout the book, this constant theme of the contrast between good and evil. That there is a good God and a good way, and there is an evil path. And that's, that's something you've already seen come up in just five chapters ten times. When it talks about where you walk, where your feet go, the path you take, and the contrast of that ten times already in five chapters. This has been scientifically proven that where your feet go, typically your body goes as well. Now, I'm a liberal arts major, but this is science. I believe this. Wherever your feet go, you go. And, and the writer is saying to the people of God, be careful where you go. Be careful where you allow your feet to take you. We're going to come back to that. Wisdom says, watch out where you go. Four times already, the, 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 the writer of Proverbs is talking about fear and how we are to have right fear and what fear is to lead us to. He talks about the misuse of sexuality. He talks about, as we did in our ABC sermon series, eyes and ears. What are you watching? What are you listening to? That's already come up four times. He talks about the contrast between life and death, what produces life and death nine times already. And then this is a kicker for us. We're going to come back to it this morning. Nine times already he's talked about the heart. Not about the head, but what's going on in your heart and your reception of 
wisdom. He's going to already talk a lot about wealth. He's done that four times, and as Renee said this morning, child-parent relationships, he's brought it up twice, and it's coming up a lot in the next several chapters. There's a whole lot of themes, and that's what we're going to look at, but here's another great reason we look at Proverbs. There are, I don't know what the phrase would be, nuggets of truth. There are life verses that we hold on to here. Just in the first couple of chapters, you have that praise chorus. We sing it to the Lord, but really it's about wisdom. You are more precious than silver. You are more costly than gold. Uh, you are more beautiful than diamonds. There's nothing that we desire more than you. Listen to these verses. Maybe you've held on to these or memorized these. Eleven fourteen, where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. Chapter 14, 12, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is a way of death. Fifteen twenty seven. how delightful is a timely word. Sixteen three. commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Seventeen six. grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of sons is their fathers. Seventeen seventeen. a friend loves at all times. 1822, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. 1824, a man with many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 2131, victory belongs to the Lord. 22-1, a good name is to be desired more than great riches. Favor is better than silver or gold. 2525, like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. 27.17, it's a critical verse for men and for our small groups and Sunday schools. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 30.31, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Wonderful verses here for us to hold on to. So please be reading through these chapters with us and it's not just beautiful and helpful and encouraging verses but there's also some pretty wild and vivid imagery throughout these proverbs to make sure that we get what the what the writers need us to get like like a man that meets a bear robbed of her cubs you would rather meet that than a fool in his folly some of y'all could probably have testimonies about that or the borrower becomes the lender's slave or a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and your poverty will come on you as a robber. My wife was born and raised in Brazil, and on more than one occasion, her family was held hostage at gunpoint for money. If you've ever been in a situation like that, you will never forget it, but these verses will scream at you, understanding what a little sleep or a little slumber, a little folding of the hands can do. We'll come back to that uh, today. And then verse 30, listen to this vivid imagery. When he talks about four things that will not say enough, one is this, the eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother. The ravens of the valley will pluck it out and the young eagles will eat it. So forget about the rainbow or Noah's ark and animals. Put that verse on your children's nursery wall. You mess with us and the ravens are coming. This is vivid stuff to scream to God's people. Stay with God. Stay on His path. Watch your feet and your walk. Watch your eyes and your ears and your mouth. 
calling to the people of God in vivid ways. Even just bizarre verses. Gray hair, by the way, in two occasions. Hey, there's hope for me. My daughter's giving me more every week. Uh, gray hair's a good thing if you read Proverbs. Uh, three different times, it's better to live in the corner of a roof than where? Nobody's brave enough to say uh, than in a house with a contentious woman. I got it, okay. <laughs> or even in the desert. One of those verses says, better go to the desert. Why this book? All this vivid imagery, bizarre uh, words, uh, key verses, life verses. It's so that you and I, and if you got to read chapter 2 in the reading for this morning, is it so you and I will have instruction and wisdom to walk with God. It's one of the very few books, there's some, that tell you from the beginning, this is why I'm writing this. Don't miss this. Proverbs 1, 3 through 5, to import, impart moral discernment and discretion. Proverbs 1, 2, and 6, to develop mental clarity and moral perception. Proverbs 1, 2, to give you wisdom and instruction. Those words actually mean skill. Wisdom means skill. Instruction has to do with discipline. And you have to put those two together. Skill, not just have skills, but to discipline those skills for living. That's why this book is written. And you see it in our, in our verse today, chapter 2, verse 10. It's not just about so I get what God has to say in my head. But Proverbs 2.11 says, Wisdom will enter your heart. Instruction will be plen uh, pleasant to your soul. It's not just about head knowledge. This is about heart relationship and heart life with God. I'd read in World Magazine years ago of a lawyer, of a man who had 176 IQ. And he uh, did horrific things I won't talk about. 176 IQ, this lawyer said, 176 IQ has nothing to do with good judgment. Matter of fact, one of the leading physicists in our country has just been removed from his college where he has taught for years. Cutting edge uh, science he has done, but he can't keep his mouth shut and he can't keep his hands to himself. Intelligence is not all we need. We need a heart change. We need a life change. And so throughout these Proverbs, God is screaming to his people not only to have right doctrine and that's critical but something's got to happen in your heart and something has to happen in your life so solomon really in these first couple of chapters if you're reading along he's creating this need have you ever been in a group and all of a sudden the guys in that group start talking about this latest car and all of a sudden you all, all of a sudden have this idea of hey i need that car or you're sitting in a group of moms and they start talking about this new vitamin for their kid, or they start talking about, no, it's not Bach anymore. You have to play Beethoven on your pregnant belly, right? When you're, you start hearing what somebody else is doing and you all of a sudden say, oh, I need to do that. I'm not a good parent if I'm not doing that. What's happening in these first nine chapters of Proverbs is we're realizing wisdom is missing. If you, if you listen well to these first nine chapters, you're seeing, oh, not only is wisdom what we need, but the lack in the day of Solomon, but also in our day as well. We sense the need. We sense the lack when we read these Proverbs. So very quickly, what are just two or three key, key themes for us that we've already seen in five chapters? Renee's already picked up the first one. 
kids, students, we've got to stay close to what our parents call us to be. The obedience is found on every page of Scripture. But there's a couple of more here. One, as we've already kind of talked about, is avoidance. You find it several times in Proverbs, especially chapter 1 and chapter 4, to avoid not just evil paths, but to avoid people who are doing evil. Now that sounds judgmental. I get it. And you bet we better minister to those who are struggling in their walk. So don't miss that as well. But to be careful to guard our hearts, to guard our time, to guard... It's just page after page of Proverbs to be careful to avoid the path of the wicked. How is that for you? Because people who are practicing that, it's hard for me to say, well, I know that's wicked. I just, I don't want to be judgmental. I, I... How is it that you are placing yourselves in situations or with people that it's starting to pull you? It's starting to change how you think. It's starting to change how you speak. It's, char- it's starting to change your sense of conviction of sin. The things that you used to say, oh, I would never laugh at that. I would never do that. I would never. That all of a sudden that's being dulled just a little bit. The book of Proverbs throughout, we're going to bump into that theme of doesn't mean we don't engage folks we can never miss that but to avoid to avoid the evil past this other thing too that that keeps coming up too is not just avoidance and obedience um, but even you're going to see and especially tomorrow if you do tomorrow's reading 6 through 11 this reminder of this little folding of the hands how how in our busy crazy culture y'all we can get a little tired and not do what the Lord needs us to do. Why do we exist as a church, Madison United Methodist Church? What have we said for years together? We exist to build faithful disciples and to serve Jesus Christ. We all need to be a part of that. For some of us, it's going to be a, in a prayer ministry that we are going to be faithful to pray for our church. For some of us, it means we're going to be on the ground. I heard Corey say today, we need a Sunday school teacher in kids ministry we need a sunday school teacher in student ministry those ought to be filled immediately some of you are being called by god i know you're busy and i know you're tired but there's nothing like making disciples that's why we exist and you're going to step up and you're going to fill you're going to fill those roles Um, as i think about family life today it is easy to fold the hands and be tired to do what we're called to do to make disciples in our homes when I think about work life, Robert, is it Rischel? Or, I remember he used to be with the Clinton administration. I think he was labor secretary. He's talking about we're, walking, we're working two to four more weeks a year than we used to from just 30 or 40 years ago. I understand work is taking more and more hours. We're tired, but there's nothing like being a disciple maker. The local church is the hope. Of, Jesus is the hope of the world, but he works through the local church. When you and I invest in doing discipleship work, I know we're raced, and I know we're busy, and we're burning, we're, 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 I could just name 50 ways in which in talking with you that you're having to go, go, go. But there's nothing like making disciples for Jesus Christ. There's a warning, but also an encouragement in Proverbs about that to be open to the leading of the Lord, to make sure that we are making the most of our time. I hope 
I hope you'll be invested over these 31 days to read these 31 Proverbs. Get caught up this afternoon, and let's do this together uh, to seek the Lord. Wisdom is shouting in the street, and those who will listen shall live securely and be at ease from the dread of evil. I believe that. Amen? Amen.